Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lemire. If you want more out of life, then what's really getting in the way? Why do we have such a hard time making a commitment? And what's so wrong with trying to live happily ever after? Today, my wife Allison and I explore the deep-seated fears that keep us stuck, the ways we operate from a prey mentality, and Allison's embarrassing bathroom experience. Um, you seem a little <laughs> frustrated with me. I <laughs> see. I knew you were going to start recording. That's what I've been like. <laughs> you seem a little frustrated. Mm-hmm. Is it because you have a cold? No, I, I mean, that doesn't make me feel great, but I, the, um, no, I'm not, I'm not frustrated because I have a cold. I'm frustrated because you're asking me to contribute with the questions that I have. And every time I ask a question, you're like, no, not that one. That's, that's what I'm that's saying. That's a different episode. Don't ask that question. That doesn't fit for for what I want to talk about today. It sounds really controlling. and um, It's pretty controlling. Authoritarian. Well, it's almost like it's my show. You're like, and you. it's <laughs> Tell me what questions you want me to ask if you don't want me to ask you the questions that I want to ask. So it's not that I don't want you to ask those questions. It was that maybe for this particular conversation, I'm trying to help these things stay a little focused. These, these individual episodes, I want to, I want them to stay focused. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, how could we organize the questions and the topics in certain ways so they'd be more relevant to one another instead of kind of just like spilling a box of rice on the floor. That's, that's all I'm trying to do. It's just, does that make sense? Um, so when I said no, it was not no to those questions necessarily. It was just like, how about, how about that would be for another conversation, not today's conversation. Well, I just don't understand. I've, I'm wanting to let the, um, I'm starting to see. <laughs> what are you starting to see? I'm starting to see that we have competing commitments and excuses that get in the, you're identifying what's in the way first before you identify how to then sort of re, 
orient towards a different thing. Is that what is that what you're doing? Yes, I'm. I'm been. A, I'm having a very proud moment right now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very seen and appreciated. <laughs> I'm glad. I like the rice on the floor. I think it looks pretty. <laughs> I I know that about you, but I yes. So I'm a yes to what you want to talk about. I think there's. It's more about when we would talk about it. It might be a little more appropriate, or it might be a little more. Um, like it might stick more if we deal with some of these other things first. That would be. Okay. That's where I'm coming from. So then. So do you, now do you still feel like I'm pushing you around and. Yes. Some, yes. I do, but in a more organized, like I get you're, you're being organized and you have a plan okay. instead of just being Mr. Controller. I'm trying to have a plan. I'm open to it going in, down different roads, but that was where I was coming from. Are you? Open to it going down different roads. I'm totally open to it going down different roads and I'll cut it out if what? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're up to going you down different roads me, once you get you the things at, that you know you want to say. You start out. asking me dumb questions. I'm like, just, <laughs> There's no such thing as a dumb question. They, that's, what, that's, what, that's what nice people lie to when they, they lie to people. I really love, so I'm doing this thing for me. You cut this out, I'm sure, because I'll be do, talking too much about something, someone other than what your book is, but I'm actually reading this book right now and it's helping me so much. Yeah. Let's promote that book. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that there are some pieces that are there. There's some overlap. You call, you use a word known in the coaching world as competing commitments. What are the competing commitments that get in the way? So it's much more about like structure and needing discipline to create the structure and, and then like really carving out the things. So it's helping me just be a more of a manager for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm noticing that more of your work, I think more of your work, it's not, it's not about that. It's not about helping people manage their lives better or their time or anything, but your work really has to do with like helping them work with what's inside their brain, the junk inside their brain that's keeping them from a greater life, keeping them from greater joy and a lot. Well, it's all up and down, right? If I, if I don't think I have enough time because I have X, Y, Z on my plate, then it's, I'm like, well, I can't get around to that thing I want to do. Right. Oh, I've got this thing I really want to be doing, but I don't have enough time. Or my wife would never let me do that. These right. are, these are things that I hear. Yeah. Right. Or, I you know, I, it's, I could never talk to, I could never say that. I could never say that. So if we understand that if we can start to drill in and understand what's underneath there, we can start to see that, oh, those are our commitments, our competing commitments. We have a commitment. So break that down. Yeah. Right. I, I like to say that there's no such thing as a commitment phobe. When, when somebody asks me, why won't a, why won't a man commit? You know, when I'm asked uh -huh. on some podcast, like what's wrong with men? Right. They just won't commit. And they, they, oh, they're already committed. Yeah. Very much so. Uh-huh. We all are. It's not uh -huh. just men, but we're all committed. And, and the premise I throw out in the book is that we're all committed to avoiding discomfort. We're avoiding to anything that feels like a risk to our time or energy or money. And we're committed to avoiding anything that might make us look bad. Okay. But that's, I mean, I, and I agree with you, but you're doing like broad brushstrokes. Real broad. So we'll, we'll, we can drill down, but I, 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 just to, just to lay it out, we're in a place where 
most of our choices throughout the day, if we were really look at them really yeah. under the microscope, right. when we would look at them is that we're not really in a creative place. We're not necessarily moving towards things. We're just getting better at avoiding things. We're getting better at avoiding discomfort. We're getting better at avoiding risk to our time and energy and money. And we're getting better at avoiding looking like a moron, a loser, a failure, anything that might get us rejected or have us feel humiliated. Most of the time we're just staying away from those things, anything that feels uncomfortable or risky or a threat to our self-image. So, so we are, those are by and large, real broad strokes of what it, what the commitments that we already have. And so when the guy says, I don't have enough time, it's probably because he's afraid to say no to something that makes him feel comfortable, or he's afraid to say no to something that has him feel safe. Well, I, and I want to, I, here's what I think that we always, we have values, right? So like when somebody comes to work with you, they have a desire to live more fully or get out of whatever hamster wheel they're in or like whatever, there's something that they're wanting that they can't figure out how to get themselves. And it's, they see you as a door, a gateway. I would just say a coach, a guide. I'm not, yeah, someone, a guide, someone to help them get there. And And so there's a value that's living in them. Yes. That's like, I value a better life. Right. Right. So that's totally true. But we can have competing values, not just commitments around like, oh, my wife would never let me. But like, I I have multiple, multiple values on any given day that they're different that would guide me into my commitments differently. So I was thinking about a, a meeting I was having um, with a, a, it was a work meeting and the school called and my value that from early on is if, if the, t- if like, if the, the school actually reaches out to me for something, yep. there's especially around lunchtime, which it was something's going on. Yep. So I drop everything. That's a value. That meeting was important to me. And I knew I wasn't going to get to reschedule that meeting for the rest of the week. And I was bummed about, but, but like, it wasn't even a thought until after I took that call. And then after I took that call, I was like, wait, did I, was it really that important to like, if the teacher texted me and said, it's not an emergency, was it really that important for me to drop everything? Or is that, that sort of autopilot of what that value has been for X amount of years? Right. Just took over. I like to use the word, the word autopilot. And I like that you pointed out that we have, you know, at any given moment, a deeper sense of what we want in our lives. And so let's, let's rewind a little bit. Cause I think we can unpack this. This is a great example. So I may say, I may, I may have this realization and say, I want to be, I want to shift paths in my career, or I want to be a great father or I, whatever these things are, we can, we can get in touch with something that's really important to us at our heart or values, whatever it is, we can have these kind of awakening moments, these realizations. And then when it comes time to align our actions with that, to actually integrate that into our lives, Mm -hmm. that's where we're going to feel the tension. And there will, there will be this tension. It was like, well, if I want to live that way, if I want to change paths in my career, or I want to be a better father, then I'm going to rub up against those competing commitments. Well, yeah, it's just even down to behaviors. Like I'm going to be behaving differently. I got I'm going to be using my time differently. Exactly. Exactly. So that's where that's, you're exactly right. You're right on path with this because that's where we're going to feel this tension of like, 
oh, this is that choice point. Do I take this call? Yeah. And or, but, or and, the, and what do you do? Like, they're both values. Like, they're not. Well, before we get into, into okay. the deeper, I think it's helpful to just come back and recognize that on one level, we may say, I got to stay on this call because it's too uncomfortable and too risky to not. I, don't, I, I won't get the chance to be on this call again. Right. Like you were, you were talking about with your phone call. I was like, I wouldn't be able to reschedule. There's a, yeah. there's either the discomfort of it being a pain in the ass or is there, there's the risk that I don't know who you were talking to, but if it was professionally related, there's a part of like, I can't piss off this client or this, right. there's a risk to my time and energy yeah. and money. Right. Or are they yeah. going to think I'm a flake? Right. If I, if I bail on this call in the middle of it. So I just want to point out in that moment, there's this like, Oh, what do I do here? This is uncomfortable. We're right in the middle of something and it's going to feel uncomfortable or it's going to feel like I can't just bail. This is going to hurt me. This is going to impact me financially or this client's just going to think I'm unreliable. Yeah. Okay. So I want to point those out. Like in that moment, whether you were aware of it or not, that was running underneath. I would bet that that was running underneath in your, in your value system there was a, uh, that kind of unconsciousness around that. And that tension is there. And, and so it, it challenged you to come back in the moment and say, well, what is it that I really want here? Now we're getting in touch with what is most important. Mm-hmm. And your, as you pointed out, your, your, your commitment to take the call from the school and make sure that our daughter was okay has been something that's ingrained in you, but that was already just clear. It's like, you know what? Boom, this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm really clear that this is what's most important to me. Mm-hmm. Now, on top of that, it sounds like there's another layer, which is like, do I still need to do that? Right. Or is that just habitual? It's a bit. Yeah, it was it, it was habitual. OK, I think it's really cool that you're at this level where you can challenge that stuff, because a lot of times we just want set it and forget it. We want to be like, this is what's most important. And now I get to go to sleep. I don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah. But that's, that's not how it works. It comes back. It's like, is this still important to me? Mm-hmm. It was really important to me two years ago or five years ago or six years ago or two weeks ago. Right. Is this still what's really important to me? And most people are just like, I don't want to do that. That's uncomfortable. It takes effort. I'm trying to avoid discomfort. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get it wrong. Just tell me what to do. Just give me the right answer. I don't want to written, you know, have the risk of getting it wrong. And I certainly don't want to screw up and look bad. So we're still playing in that all the time. It's this loop of here's a choice point. Oh shit. What do I do? And most of the time we default to, well, I'm just going to do the thing that doesn't feel uncomfortable or risky or make me look bad. Mm -hmm. I call it a prey mentality. It's actually a survival mentality. It's left over from our early, early, like very primitive programming. We've just adapted now where we're not on the run from big animals trying to eat us or anything, but we've now adapted to these new threats. The new, the new big, scary threat is discomfort. The new big, scary threat is I might lose some money. The new big, scary threat is cold at night. I might get cold at night. (laughs) (laughs) Our bed warmer, mattress warmer stopped working. And it was like, oh no, this can't have this. It's the coldest night of the year. It is a strong value that I see warm in our cold room. We are going to die if we don't get this. But that's what it feels like, right? Right. Our... Think of that. Like there's this thing like, oh no, like that yeah. we've, our brains have adapted and we think that this is actually a big deal. And the brain even thinks like, I, we're going to die if we don't have our, It'll it's be like, so terrible. No, we, I'm we not going to sleep We at will all. not die. Right. <laughs> there's, we're in no danger of dying. That's right. But the brain adapts. Yeah. And hedonic it gives adapt. you the sort of that, there's pumps your nervous system with the same. Right. Cause we, we adapt to a new level <laughs> of comfort. It's like, well, I'm not going backwards. Mm-hmm. Right. So 
It's, I could go backwards. That's I'm not going to go backwards to how I used to live. Like I used to forget that, like I would travel, I'd forget to leave my heat on and I'd come home and it'd be 40 <laughs> degrees in my house. I have to sleep next to my oven. I had to do that one night. I slept in my kitchen next to my oven <laughs> and it was fine. But it's, again, it's like, it, it, yeah. I looked, turned my oven on and I opened it up and I slept next to my oven. I don't, that's probably not very safe, but that was... <laughs> I was, it was too late in the night and I was like, my flight got in so late. I was like, I, I don't care. I'm not going to go to a hotel. So it was just. Where were you? In my house when I lived in Tallahassee. I didn't realize it got that cold at night. <laughs> it was cold for me. <laughs> 40 degrees. I was going to die. Under blankets. <laughs> um, so oh, the, the thing that I'm trying to, like, there's a distinction that I'm trying to get to here. The what did you call it? Default mode or unconscious default? Yeah. It's a, you know, and it's kind of a pilot. Pre- yeah. Set it and forget it. So Survival. There's, so there's that, yeah. which is like, I want to avoid discomfort or, or looking bad or those things. Right. And then there's values, which are to me seem like, you know, it's like beyond Cro-Magnon <laughs> reptilian yeah. brain. Yeah. It's a little step up, you know, we're it's getting into, up, it's a big step up, but those values can have the same, they can mimic that reptilian brain autopilot. I I have really strong values around relationship, being in a healthy relationship and a good, intimate, deep relationship with you, with our daughter, with the people that I hold dear in my heart. And I will make sure that I do the things, the behaviors that I make the time, I take the energy to cultivate that relationship. And I also have a value of doing my best work in the world. But if my value of relationship starts becoming a squeaky wheel, or if I notice that I'm not feeling nourished or fed to go do my best work, like because the relationship is where I feel nourished Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways to go out into the world... That looks like a competing, that can look like a competing commitment at the time. It creates me not getting nourished, creates discomfort, right? But me not doing my best work in the world also creates discomfort. Right. So I I just. Welcome to the human existence. (laughs) Welcome to the human existence. Well, I think I want to speak to this because I think there's this unspoken expectation that if I just get this right, then I'll be set. There's, there's a shadow to this personal growth and relational growth and that, that, this whole system, which is, I just got to get through this shitty way of doing things and then I'm going to be all set. all my problems are solved. All my problems are, all our, all our problems are over, dude. So it's just this, if we, if we just let that go and I gotta, I gotta admit, I was years into personal growth and personal development before that shadow really revealed itself to me that I've there was a part of me, I was really going to get this right. In what way? What, when was that? And I think, I think one of the reasons why I got so into meditation early on Mm. was that I thought I could escape suffering. Like I was like, that's, that's the path. If I can be enlightened as crazy as that sounds, but there was a problem. I was like, I'll never have to feel the pain I had felt before. Which is, yeah, that's why you call it a personal development junkie. Personal development jackass. Jackie. Yeah, but it's the same. It's like, I mean, not, you know, different words, but like it is, you're like seeking that state right. that would hopefully take care of all your problems. Phil Stutz and Barry Michaels call it exoneration. There's uh-huh. this, there's this level we're going to get to and it's a velvet rope area. And once you get there, yeah. it's, 
Some people call it heroin. It's easy street. Well, that's what drugs can do, but it's also why most of us are chasing, quote, success, financial Mm -hmm. success. There's this, man, all I need to do is once I get to this place, then I'm set. So what I hear when you talk about, well, wait a second, I'm living from these ideals. Values. I'm living from these values. So why is it still hard? Why, Why do I still have these uncomfortable decisions to make? Why is it still uncomfortable? And it's like, well, of course it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Every day. Our job is not to escape or avoid discomfort when we can get better at mitigating it. Mm -hmm. But what I talk about, especially in the book is that we stop running away from it. We learn how to steer directly into it and in service of what it is that we most want. So if we want to live more in alignment with these values, then we stop pretending that well, if I just live in alignment with my values, it's going to be easy street. Right. So you're saying, I mean, essentially what we're talking about here is like what you said earlier around, like you don't believe in people that are, that have commitment issues. Like they don't have commitment issues. They're not commitment phobic. No, they've got a commitment. They have commitments. Yeah. They're just competing. And now they've got another option or another thing that comes along and they're like, I don't know if I can go down that road. Right. That's... Because I'm, I'm really committed to this. Yeah. It, it this messes with that thing. Right. It messes with that commitment or it changes the whole system around and how I got my life set up. And the guy that, you know, how many guys that I know and how many guys I've worked with that, that throw their hands up and be like, man, my marriage is down to shitter and I, I don't know what to do. And I was like, well, have you gotten help? Yeah, totally. No, no, no I'm not or doing we've that. Gotten, or we've seen like seven different therapists for one or two sessions and we never like stick but, with anything. Well, the point is, is like for, for a lot of guys is like, well, no, I mean, I would go ask an, a mechanic or a plumber, mm, mm-hmm. a professional to work on a problem on my house or my car, right. but to actually the like marriage, no my marriage, which stands <laughs> to cost me a shitload of money. If and, I, it and turns, like is every day of your life. Yeah. And alimony <laughs> and like me laying in bed and I going, God, this bitch, like how much like, it's like, no, I'm not going to have a third party come in and help. Right. It's silly. It sounds silly when you say it like it that. It sounds silly when you say it like that. But if you look at what he's doing, he's like, oh, it costs too much. No, it doesn't. You go, how much do you pay for golf? Right. Right. Totally. <laughs> So like or, or your, or your beer or your cocktails right. over is, time, which is fine. Go, yeah, yeah. go do that. But let's not act like cost is really the issue. Or Most good. of the time for those guys, like, I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to be in that room. Right. And maybe look like a dumbass. you know, have somebody call me out for something or I don't, I don't want to be one of those guys. A lot of the guys, like, I don't want to admit that I need help. There's just all of this yeah, stuff between their ears around. And right. I'm, now I'm starting to see what you're saying around like, I don't want to look bad or dumb or stupid, or, you know, like, or I don't want to be uncomfortable. And what you said was, uh, I teach people, you said you teach guys how to steer directly head on into the discomfort. So how are you doing that? Their nervous system is like, you know, exit shit now, you know, like there's all sorts of things happening. Right. Well, in the book, we go deeper into this, right? I don't just hang people out there to dry. But if we understand that if, you know, we're trying to avoid discomfort, then it's let's, let's recognize that we have a huge capacity for discomfort. Like, the things it's that so we, true. as we get more and more quote successful and older and, you know, oh my God, I can't live without my heated mattress. Like, look how freaking fragile we're becoming, <laughs> right? We're forgetting just how powerful we are and how much, how, how much the capacity we have for discomfort. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I'd say, is you're capable of handling the, the discomfort. You will be fine. Mm-hmm. It may suck. We don't like going to get a shot, but we can handle the shot. 
if we right. go to the doctor, like it, yeah. we will not die. Yeah, that's right. The, the, the discomfort of that shot is not going to be the end right. of the world. Uh, in terms of risk, when they come up with some big thing, it's like, oh, no, the whole thing will go. It's, it's still, oh, my God, it's just the worst thing's going to happen if we go down that road. Well, it's kind of like having a kid that comes in the middle of the night says, you know, there's a monster under the bed. And it's like, I, I can believe that that f- the, the kid, our kid is scared or the a kid is scared. I can believe that my client is scared. Sure. But most of the time, we just go get a flashlight and say, let's look. Let's see if there's really a monster there. And nine times out of 10. There's nothing there. And even that one tenth, there's like, yeah, that's a, that is scary and you can do it. It's not as scary as you think it is. So a majority of the time, the big, huge, scary monster is just either not there or it's nowhere near as big as we imagine it'll be. Right. And then the whole, but what, what do you think about me? And what do I think about myself? Like that can, you can just toss that. Like that's the whole get over yourself. Like if you're really committed to your marriage or you're really committed to having peace of mind in your life or whatever it is, then get over yourself. And and that's where I find it's just helpful to have a laugh. Like it's just like, Oh, there I go again thinking that I'm such a big deal. Yeah. You're great at that. You're that's, and that's, well, yeah. Tell me more about (laughs) (laughs) what what do you see? But it does. I mean, it's true. You really are. Like there's a, that when I, I talked about it in another episode, like that moment where you were like, look, there's the absolute and there's the relative. This is relative. <laughs> like that, you do that with your humor a lot. And that's, it's like, that's the statement that I hear. That's the message that I hear when you, when you're able to laugh at your discomfort or my discomfort or, yeah, you know, it's like, Oh, well, look I, at how funny we're being around the relative stuff. Well, you say I'm good good at it. It actually surprised me when you say that, because all I'm aware of is all the places where I'm withholding. Like, oh, God, I don't want to be seen that way. And I don't want to. Be right. So I'm more aware of the threats to my self-image. And so it, you actually surprised me. You're like, you're really good at that, because I actually think you see all the places where. I totally see all the places. <laughs> I see it all day long. You see but all it's my like, vanity. Gonna, I love you anyway. I'm going to love you through it. I get it's like it's like. <clears throat> It's same thing that you just said. It's I like, see. I get that you see monsters. I see all of yours too. And then I, oh Lord, I know. That's I why I wanted it. to, now, now so. we're going to shift the interview and talk about you. <laughs> um, but I, you red. know, you're, of course I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the rice on the floor. So let's talk about, uh, no, let's so talk about let, the places let me where finish you, my point. I'm tying not, the thing back together again. Oh, okay. So I see you believing that there's monsters in the closet or under the bed. I see that in all of the ways that you show up in, in the like, ah, your threats of discomfort, your threats of not looking good, your threats of your imagined or real, like whatever they are. Right. That, but, but that like, I see that. And so it's just what you said. It's like, I'm going to be with you through that. Yes. Yeah. There's two, there's, there's two beautiful things, which is, which that we can underline here is that we want to watch out for, the expectation we have that our work or our fitness or our popularity and social media, if that's what we're into, or this person, if they would choose to be with me or what, like whatever it is that we are pursuing and growing and developing and our, we want to watch out and say, Oh, if I could just have that, then I wouldn't feel this anymore. I wouldn't feel under threat. And so I just want to wrap, I want to underline that point again, because we will continue. That's just life. That, that is 
just life is that we were going to continue to feel threatened, especially in our self-image stuff. There's just, where there's no set it and forget it. I finally arrived. Everybody's just going to kiss my ass from here on out. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. We, we just can, we're going to take ourselves too seriously. And so I think it's great. I love that you, I don't know. I don't love it, but I appreciate it. (laughs) I appreciate it that you take me down a notch (laughs) regularly, but you also have a, a way of, and I think my best friends all do this, which is they see where I'm, I take myself too seriously or I get away t- a little far out and they, yeah. they don't buy into it. They might right. just slide a little it's joke a, in there and it's like, it's equal. It's pure. Psh, You're like not, the, nobody's on a soapbox. Everybody's here. Yeah. Deflate the, the, that back, de- deflate the balloon a bit and just like, okay. And I, that's why I appreciate that. But I know there's, there's gotta be people out there like, I don't want anybody in my life that challenges my self image or that story. Like you have to see me a certain way and I'm special about, there's people that have their egos that are that fragile. So anyway, I wanted to come back to that and what it means because you saying that you, you are going to love me through that folks that are fragile in, in that way, do not believe they will be loved in that way. Like they, they really believe they have to defend their self-worth and their self-image all the time. They cannot reveal. We take it for granted. I think you take it for granted, but they cannot, they, they believe they cannot reveal. I I don't take, I mean, I take you for granted in that way. And sometimes, but it's, but I totally get what you're saying. This is like all of my psychology attachment work at its core. It's that's why I was saying like, it's in your nervous system. It's innervated in your body. Like you, it, it is an experience. It can get to an experience of life or death, especially for people that haven't had those formative experiences where they can rely and trust, uh, you know, relationship or people or the world or whatever it is. Like they, they have some sort of core thing in their life that says that danger, you know? Right. So, so yeah, ego, call it whatever you want, but it's there. And so that's what I was, that's what I'm curious about is like when you're in that place of, I don't believe when people come to you, they're like, I want this, but I don't believe that I can have it. I want this, but I don't, I'm not that person. I want this, but I don't know how. Right. So. Well, uh, so you're asking, turning, how, what do we do? Turning into the discomfort. discomfort. Yeah. I have to pee. Okay. It's it's amazing. These microphones were able to pick up all the sounds. Stop you just, it. They did. They, Stop I recorded it. all the sounds you just made in the toilet. Peeing. <laughs> Blowing my nose. Oh, what would what would we think if we heard the sounds? <laughs> They're gonna. I, I'm just. I, there were other sounds too. It's body functions. <laughs> I'm in the right place to do what I'm doing. So it's up to you. How I, uncomfortable are you gonna be with it? I just wanted to see how you would react. <laughs> Am I blushing? You're like, damn it. <laughs> I, I'm looking at the little recording there. I'm like, oh, that was probably where <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> Well, I actually didn't That's record it. That's probably where I blew my nose. I didn't record it. Oh, you did? <laughs> <laughs> now you gotta but get now we're, now we're, now we're, you just, uh. I'm in my discomfort. You're, you're, what will we think of you? Uh, that it's, you had it's gas. true. It's like this moment of discomfort that I'm like, oh, it's so silly. But that's it, right? There's a part where we could be like, we could see somebody else going through their self-image <laughs> I'm stuff. I'm endeared to it. I actually love that so much. That's like the trueness of humanness. Right, but we can see somebody else going through it and be like, that's so silly. That's They don't need to take themselves that seriously, but right. it can seem so, like yeah. our thing yeah. is like, oh no, but no I way. will 
never let anybody hear me fart, right? I will never let anybody see me without my makeup on or whatever that right, right, that, right. Whatever that thing is, is that yeah. we are so attached to. And for one person, it'll be no big deal. And for another person, it'll feel like death. It'll, yeah. it'll be that huge <clears throat> thing. So if these interviews are helping you, please leave a positive review on whatever podcast app you use so that others can discover the show more easily. <laughs>